morning, everyone. We're glad to be with you this morning. A few people have asked, um, come up and said, well, are you still going to do verse by verse through the Bible? And yes, that is what we do here at Calvary Chapel. Surprise. Within, Pastor Brad has gone this week. Him and I will be tagging back and forth some during this time as we, we wait on God. We'll be picking right back up in the book of Mark and going through the book of Mark together. Actually, this weekend, Pastor Brad and Marion are over in, in Denver with their parents and spending a little time with them as they're getting older, just some special quality time. But we want to, we want to take some time today and look at just one more place in the Bible that God has laid a burden on our heart to share with you, and that is in the book of Ephesians, the third chapter. And what we want to do in this chapter, at the end of the chapter, is look at a message today on power-packed prayers. And we will see the Apostle Paul writing from a prison to a church that was struggling, an early, young, believing church, and we see a power-packed prayer that he opens up for us in the book of Ephesians here. But just to get the context a little, we have to jump in a little bit as we do this. But I want you to open your uh, look, at, look with me in verse 8. And we'll read through the end of the chapter. To me, this is Paul, the very least of all saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ and to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things so that the manifold wisdom of God might be made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in heavenly places. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access, confident access through faith in him. Therefore, I ask you not to lose heart at my tribulations on your behalf, which is they are for your glory. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with, with power through his spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasseth knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. When we first came into this church and God began to minister to our heart, just sitting in the congregation, uh, just hearing the word of God and week after week, there was something that God began to teach us that we did not recognize originally that he was teaching. He was speaking to us of how powerful prayer was. I can still remember the first brother or sister who stopped and said, let's just pray and there was a spontaneity of prayer. 
that began to flow from this body, and I began to become a recipient of a, a special type of teaching that was a tremendous blessing in my life. We lost a really good brother about a year ago, a little over a year ago, Jeff Talbot, a great friend of ours. And Jeff and I worked through many things, but I'll never forget what Jeff would do. We would just start talking about something. He'd say, brother, I think we've gone far enough. And I can remember, still remember his hand on my forearm saying, brother, it's time to pray. Now, when we speak of power pack prayers today, they come in different ways and places. We're going to see this really even as Paul opens up his heart in this letter, it comes from a, a Roman prison. Paul is a prisoner. He is writing to a suffering church trying to encourage them who have just believed in the Lord Jesus Christ not very long. In the first part of this little lesson, we're going to see the attitude that surrounds a power-packed prayer. Then as we look a little farther into the lesson, for about three verses, we are going to see the action of a power-packed prayer. And then we're going to follow that up at the very end, and we're going to see the promises of a power-packed prayer. I think there's a lot of times we think we've got to have the right formula. We all do. I'll just tell you a story that took place with us about a year ago. I have a friend named Dan. We meet over at Abuelo's in Arrowhead every once in a while and just have lunch. And, and he's, uh, his heart is focused deeply on ministry. And and the waiter came up, and his name was Israel, and we said, Israel, sometimes before we pray, we'd like to know if there's anything we could pray for you about. And Israel said, no, you know, I've got that covered. Don't, don't worry about the prayer thing. I'll take care of your food. You guys pray. And he walked away. Pretty soon here comes Israel back. And he says, uh, are you serious about that? And we said, yes, we are. Uh, have you prayed? Yes, we prayed, but we'll pray again. And he said, well, I'll tell you what the deal is. He says, my dad is 72 years old. He has stage four cancer. There seems to be no hope. Could you pray for him? He says, absolutely. We'll pray for you and him. Israel says, I don't want to stay. You guys take care of the prayer. He left, and we prayed. It was a couple months later. Dan and I was in there getting our lunch again, and here comes a a young lady up, and we ask, is, there, is, is, is Israel around here? Yeah. And she went over and across, and if you've been to Abuelo's, a good little spread across, she takes off running toward us. He takes off running toward us just really fast, and he gets up to us, and he says, you know what happened? He says, you guys prayed for my dad, and the next day my dad went into the doctor for his next test, and they could find nothing whatsoever. You know, it doesn't just happen there. It happens. I've seen it happen right here last week. I've seen it happen over there. I've seen it happen in your homes. I've watched brothers and sisters out there praying power-packed prayers. We didn't even know they were power-packed prayers. But God got involved, and something mighty began to happen. And God changed lives and touched hearts, and, and his name was magnified and glorified in an amazing way. Now, as we're going to look at this today, we're going to see God's involvement in a power-packed prayer. As Paul opens this up, and he begins to teach us a little bit, and I think we are all like the disciples a little bit, when Jesus would even speak to them and said, you know, if you had faith like that, you could just say, that mountain can be removed. It could just go. And, and one of the disciples said, Lord, just teach us to pray. And you know, I've been serving the Lord a few years, and many of you have too. 
But I just sensed that call, that beck and back of the Lord Jesus to come back to my feet to teach me how to, to teach me how to pray. It's easy to get lost in the hubbub of activity and forget that prayer is so important. If a church is going to go on in a powerful way, it is because there are God's people and children that are deeply committed to power pack praying. It's everywhere. If a church stops praying, the church stops moving. It doesn't matter how good the preaching is. It doesn't matter how many programs we have. The church is only as powerful as its willingness and its desire to meet the Lord on their knees before God. And that is the power of a power-packed prayer. Now, Paul is writing here to a church, the church of Ephesus, from a prison. And if you notice with me, we're going to get a few perspectives of his attitude originally in this, because so often in prayer, the Lord must work with us to get the attitude right before there can be proper action and proper praying. And you will notice this with us here in, with Paul. And in verse 12, he says this. He's getting ready to open up the prayer, but he's given this attitude perspective before he opens up the prayer. The prayer will, con, will come down to about three verses. But the preliminary attitude that oftentimes God first must work in us and through us is so important that we see here with our dear beloved apostle. Verse 12, he says, in whom we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. Notice where Paul begins this, this leading up to the prayer. He is speaking of a holy boldness in the Lord. He is speaking of a confidence that is not his, because if you notice with me, he says we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. Paul recognized his boldness was not his. He knew it was because of the power of God in him. He knew that what God could do through him was something so much greater than he could ever do. And a power-packed prayer will come upon us when we, as God's children, are willing to claim the boldness of Jesus Christ and stand for him in faith, believing that what he has promised, he can perform. You know, I want you to turn, look over in the, in your, or look up at the screen at a couple of verses in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Notice the writer here, he says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Notice the power we're looking to someone so much greater than us. For we have not but one who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. Not only is he so much greater, he's been there. He's been exactly where we are and far, far more. But notice what he says here as he draws out the church. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And he's saying, church, to be powerful, we've got to rise up and believe. We've got to rise up and walk. We've got to, we, we need to get up and say, I'm going to believe God. 
I don't care what every voice out there is saying. I don't know. I don't care what my emotions are saying. I am going to believe God because God is able. And we find this throughout the Bible. You know, last week we went up to right below Mount Rainier. We camped at a campground. Probably some of you have been there called the Ohanica Posh Campground. And for 10 years, about 20 years ago, or 15 years ago, for 10 years in a row, every year we took our children up that campground camping. And so mom and dad, we, uh, I guess you'd say got a little older. We didn't camp out like we used to. <laughs> but the children wanted us to come, and they said, I'll tell you what, dad and mom, if you come, we'll get the tent, We'll get everything set up. We'll even have nice foam mattresses. You'll have it all made. Come in, camp with us, and go on, and we'll pack it up. And it pretty well worked that way. It was really nice. We camped together, and uh, that first night, I was thinking, what a blessing. Went to sleep, but I can still remember, I had a, a reflective watch, and it said 1.30 a.m., and I had to go outside the tent. And I knew I'd put a light right beside me, but I couldn't find the light. And I went all over looking for that light, but I still had to go outside. So I went outside, and the forest is amazing. At 1.30 in the morning, there's not one little peak of light. But I still needed to get outside. <laughs> I think most of us can understand. And in doing that, God helped us through, and we were able to get back in. And in studying this, I was thinking about how it is that sometimes when God is calling us to an action, it's completely dark. And even the plans that surround us, we can't find the light. We can't find the handle. We can't find the solution. The trigger isn't working. And the Lord is saying, I'm asking you by faith to enter in with holy boldness into my presence and believe. Will you do it? And this is what Paul did. But notice we're going to go a little further. We're still looking at the attitude of the apostle here. In verse 13, Paul says, Therefore I ask you not to lose heart at my tribulations on your behalf, which is for your glory. You notice that heart, Paul's heart was not turned toward the hurt of prison. It wasn't turned to the isolation of a difficult thing that he was put in there just because he believed in the Lord Jesus and taught the gospel. His heart turned toward Ephesus. He began to think of other people. I, I think of that verse, we don't have it on the screen, of in, in 1 Timothy 2 where Paul writes and he says, I will first of all that prayers and supplications and interceptions and giving of thanks be made for all men. Getting prayer out there. And this is what Paul is saying here, is Paul is saying, my heart is focused on you in a very difficult situation that I'm going through in a Roman prison. If you read history, history revealed by the time he went off and he was executed, his body was nothing but a little rack of bones. 
He had been beaten. He had been destroyed physically in the outside. But we're going to see that Paul's heart was still toward others. Sometimes we've all been there. We get locked in our little, our little cell and we can't get out of it. It's that, Lord, bless me and my wife, Debbie, and my four children and their children and land is safe on the other shore where we can praise you forevermore. And we lose the power of prayer that we find Paul demonstrating to the, to the Ephesian church. It's an amazing thing that this man would be able to look out and as difficult as it was in prison, he could see someone else that probably wasn't even suffering as bad. And he says, the purpose of this prayer that I'm sharing with you is that you would not faint not at my tribulations on your behalf, which are for your glory. You see what Paul's saying? I'm suffering because I'm suffering to bless you I'm suffering for righteousness' sake, but I'm focused on you. And a power prayer will turn upward and outward as God moves our heart. There's another thing we'll see here in verse 14. Paul says, for this reason, we're still looking at the attitude of prayer. We haven't entered the prayer yet. Paul's speaking of the attitude that's flowing through his heart as he's preparing to pray. And if you notice with me in verse 14... What he says, he says, he says, for this reason, I bow my knees to the Father. This reason, this one reason that you're fainting, Paul had a purpose behind his prayers. Have you ever noticed how easy it is to fall into purposeless prayers? If someone walked up to you and said, uh, did the Lord answer your prayers today? And you'll say, I, yeah, yeah. But Paul was like the cat chasing the mouse. He was going after the target. The Spirit of God had stirred his heart to such an extent for the church of Ephesus that as he was sharing, he says, this is the reason I'm bowing my knees for you. I'm going after the target. I will not let go of that which God has put in front of me. Power-packed prayers are often purposeful. I say often, there may be times that God will choose to use a prayer in a most amazing way that we didn't even see, but we're going after a target. God has put a burden on our heart. It won't let go. It may come to us. I think different times. I got older. God wakes us up at all kinds of times of night, and for a long time as a younger guy, I fought that, and then I began to realize, is God waking me up to pray? Is God taking away my sleep that I can commit it to something else out there? And this is where Paul was here. He says, for this reason, I'm bowing my knees before the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know if he got out of his little, his little prison bed and got down on his knees. I don't know if his knees were bowed there. I don't know. Because God teaches, has teaches us that prayer comes so many ways and so many places. I mean, there's... God began to teach me years ago, you can pray at the steering wheel. But how? And we went to China, in the western part of China, and I was taught there the only way you can pray is with your eyes open because someone's watching you. And this is what God does, though. He works in all kinds of ways and circumstances, but we also see the purpose of Paul's prayer. He's praying for 
the church of Ephesus. We need to understand how important this is as we look into this. No, but we're still looking at the attitude. Verse 15, he says, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Notice he speaks of the church of Ephesus and then he spreads to every family. Every family, not only in heaven and on earth. You notice how broad the worldview of Paul was in the time of prayer. He had a target. It was the church of Ephesus. But he saw God as amazing in the ways he worked through the entire family of God. I don't know what all he saw there, whether he saw every kingdom and tongue and tribe and people and nation. and I don't know because the word of God doesn't say. But the, all it says here in this translation is from him, every family on heaven and earth derives its name. I want to say notice a couple things here that was in, we're still in attitude. It was a large worldview that God gave Paul as he was praying for one specific purpose at the church of Ephesus. But here's one more. It kind of creeps in the church and in the back door often. It was a heart free from partiality. It was a heart that says, I'm going to look at the whole family. I'm not going to leave anybody out. This God we serve touches every culture, every society, through every place. And this is what God wants the church to be wherever the church exists. And he says, this is what I'm praying as I'm coming before you. And he's still sharing this tremendously large worldview. You know, we are like a grain of sand on the seashore compared to the kingdom of God. We call this Calvary surprise. For many of us, we call it home church. For many here, it's the place I heard Jesus. For many, it's the place I've grown in the Lord Jesus Christ. But what God does here is so amazing. But what he's doing here, he's doing everywhere. Take heart in that. In every kindred, tongue, people. He's even doing it down the street somewhere. He's doing it up here in Bell Road somewhere. This is what the kingdom of God is. God is never going to be contained into a box. Paul recognized that. His greatness, his power, his righteousness in America, we often don't see this great revival, but you drop into countries like China and India, and now the Myanmar, some of you are from the Philippines, we sense it. It's like a, it's like a fire that is lit, that's just spreading throughout the whole country. You can't stop God. He is too great. And Paul had that picture in his heart as he was praying. We're still in attitude here, because... Confession for you, sometimes God must work in the attitude a long time before he's ready for action in my prayer life. God, if you'll just clean up that person over there, everything will be okay. God, I would, I'd be so much happier if we didn't have all these people causing me problems. And God said, I'm not done with you yet, brother. I'm not done. And I praise God he isn't. Now let's look on, though. He speaks about this large world verse view in verse 15, without partiality, the whole family in heaven and earth is named. But now we go into verse 16 and he begins to speak of the action of his prayer. 
You remember, he's focused in Ephesus. He knew those believers. He had dwelt there several times. He had to tell the leaders goodbye when they stood on the shores of Ephesus, just up a little ways from the city, and wept because they knew they'd never see him again in Acts chapter 20. But now we begin to open up the action of the prayer. And Paul begins to speak about, this is what I'm praying. This is my focus. That he, notice immediately where he goes. He goes to the source of all movement and power in prayer, and that's God. That he, that God, that God will, and there, then he begins, that he will grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. There's so much there. Paul is acknowledging how rich God is, how complete he is, how far-reaching his hands of a blessing can go, and his ear can hear, his eye can see, his hand can touch. And Paul here says, I am coming to you that you, he would grant you, God would grant you this according to the riches of his glory. Now notice, notice he, he doesn't stop there. In one sentence, and we don't know exactly how it was in, the pen of the apostle was flowing by the power of the Holy Spirit to be strengthened with power through his spirit. And notice from where? Through the inner man. He doesn't say, I will, I'm, I'm praying that God will just take away all your problems at Ephesus. Give you jobs and get you feeling better and put a few band-aids on. He says, no, I am praying that God would work in the inner man. You see, sometimes what we're dealing with on the outer isn't the problem. God is working on the inner and he wants us to come to the place. We're praying on behalf of another person. Oh, Lord, help them not to have such a rough week. Help them not to go through this. God is working on the inner. And we notice this right here as Paul says this. He says, I want you to be strengthened with power. He acknowledges the source through his spirit in the inner man. You see, I want you to be strong inside. Paul was now at a place in his life that he no longer could be strong in the outer man. We all get there. It might have came, I, I read that he passed away about my age. Don't know exactly. But here Paul, who probably couldn't pick up another 50 pounds anymore, was saying, I am praying that you will be strengthened inside. Powerful prayers go inside. They go inside. Sometimes all we see is a symptom. God sees the root. Sometimes all we see is the first band-aid. God sees the surgical spiritual solution that we may not yet see. But Paul was here saying, I pray that you would be strengthened with power in the inner man. It's amazing what happens, what we see, what God sees, how we pray. You think about words, and as you look at this, we see that prayer is as powerful as its heart connection to God. You remove, you take good words and you remove a heart that's connected to God and the prayer is powerless. You know, I think of a verse that we have over in 
Romans 8.26. And it's one of those verses that, that speak of the mystery of prayer, really. And here over in Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and 27, it says this, In the same way the Spirit also helps our weaknesses, for we do not know how to pray as we should. Now, get that. We don't know. What we see isn't what God sees all the time. We do not know how we should pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. We're saying, God, help that person. The Holy Spirit's saying, oh, oh, my Father, I died for that person. Work in their inside in a powerful way. And notice the last part. And he who searches the heart knows what is the mind, the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Here we have this marvelous work that's happening around us and beyond us and within us as we're praying that sometimes we can't see it. You have been there, I have too. I can think of a situation one time, God just blessed me for many years with a special enemy. Every time I preached, he poked, okay? Every time we talked, he poked. And finally, the day, day brought me to, the Lord brought me to a place of saying, pray for his blessing. I'll take care of everything else. Just pray that I bless. And I just began to pray for his blessing. And it was so freeing. Because no longer did I have to tell God how to fix the attitude or the action. And to remember that in prayer there is so much happening and he wants a heart that is turned toward him in faith believing and trusting completely that he is able in every situation in every way. But if, as you look, you will see in verse 17 that Paul is now looking into the heart more so that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. You notice where he's going? He goes, I'm not asking that everything work out okay out there. The word of God teaches it won't be easy. It teaches throughout the Bible that everyone who lives godly in Christ is going to struggle some, even people that don't live godly. But notice what he does say in verse 17. I am praying that Christ would dwell in your hearts through faith that he is inside you. He is within you. Because what Paul is saying here is when he is within you, it's going to be okay. It could get a lot more rough before it gets better. It may never get better. We may go home to glory. But Paul here is saying that I am praying that you would experience the indwelling of Christ as I pray. Because I know that's where the power is. See, so often we think, well, if that, if my leg could just get fixed, but that isn't where the power is. The power is experiencing the indwelling presence of Christ who never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He is completely sufficient for everything at all times, all places, no matter what the circumstance is. And this is what Paul was claiming as he was praying this. You know, he's not done. He's still focusing. We're still focusing on this prayer. We're kind of just like narrowing down like a funnel. We've looked at the attitude. We've backed up. Now Paul's coming down, and he's speaking about this, this inner heart focus. But now you'll see something else here that comes up as he begins to speak of, that, speak of this too, that you at the end of 17, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. There's a lot there. But I notice one thing he's, he writes there right away as he says, I want you to be rooted, grounded, 
and love. Sometimes the failure to get the answer we want is because we've resisted being rooted and grounded in love. You know, God desires that the body that he calls his own, his own sought-out, bought-after, blood-bought saints, walk in love together. I think it was the Apostle John even would say this at the end of his first epistle. He would say, little children love one another. But I have read this in books, uh, biographies on John, that uh, at the end of his life, the only thing that remained in his, in his lips when the last words were being spoken by that dear old apostle was just, little children love one another. Love one another. And Paul said, being rooted and grounded in love, that you would be able to know what's the length how far he's reached for you, how far he's reached for others, the height, how high he has ascended, he is exalted on high, he is forever with the Father making intercession, he rose from the dead, the breadth, how great is his love, the width, how far his love compasses, how many he includes. And what that even means is it even means even me. We had uh, we raised apples. I think I've shared that a little bit with, with you before. But when I first got this apple orchard, we had a Granny Smith block that had been planted planted very close together. Now, the Granny Smith, probably most of you know this, they're the green apples. And right away, the fellow I bought from, he's still a really good friend of mine. He's just a great Christian man, now 88 years old, still just going for God for all his worth. But he said, John, what you need to do is cut out every other Granny Smith there and let that those apples begin to grow because what has happened is they're so bunched together, they're stopping production of the Granny Smith. So we cut out every other, every other Granny Smith there. And I'm a, I'm a, I've been in the chemical business, so we treated with a chemical all those stumps so it would go down into the root and remove that apple very cleanly. But it didn't. I'll tell you what it did. It went from that root to the living root to the living root to the living root and it killed the whole orchard. Because what I didn't see was I saw a Granny Smith block. God saw a root system that was so entrenched and deeply connected that when this tree was affected, this one was going to be affected too. Now, do you know that really God's heart for the church is just like that? It really is. That when one suffers, we all suffer. That when we, the love of Jesus is so filled within our heart that we care so much that when someone else is hurting, to love is to be vulnerable. It is, is very much that. It is to be broken, and it's to be stripped, and it's to be taken advantage of, and it's to be, go through all kinds of trials. But this is what Paul was praying for the Ephesian church. You see, he was going beyond the exterior. He was looking at the inner heart. He was looking at inner love. He was looking beyond the obvious to that which is first missed so many times. And if you notice, he begins, he keeps on going. He says, and I want you in verse, verse 19, I want you to know the love of Christ that surpasseth knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. How do you explain that? I want you to know Christ's love that you cannot know that you can be filled with the fullness of God. Just, just get your head around that for just a minute. I want you to grasp what you can't grasp, that you can be filled with all the fullness of God. And here it is, Paul is, is speaking of something that 
a, a casual reader of Ephesus could say, this is impossible. I can't know what I can't know. I can't do what I can't do. I can't in any way do this. And this is why Paul is going to go on and he's going to give the solution and the source to all prayer. We've looked at the attitude a little bit. We've looked at the action a little bit. But Paul is going to end this chapter with a solution. Okay, This is how you can do it. Because I believe that every person here reaches a place in our prayer life that we say, yeah, Pastor, you're talking about this thing of uh, power-packed prayers, but you don't know me. You don't know my situation, and I don't. But I know what the Word of God says. And this is what is so powerful about the Word of God. When God presents a challenge, if you keep reading, this is one of the reasons we teach the Word of God in context. If you keep reading the Word of God, you will see the solution often within the context of the challenge. You will find the answer there. It may be down below, it might be in the next chapter, but you're going to find the answer that was too big for you right there in the Word of God, and this is what we find with Paul. What he does, he says, okay, step back, take a deep breath, draw back. This is too big for you. You can't know the love of Christ that passeth knowledge. You can't be filled with all the fullness of God. You're not strong enough. You're not wise enough. You're not spiritual enough. You don't have enough concepts in your mind. But Paul says, I'm going to point to who can. I am going to give you the solution to your problem. I'm going to give you the answer for the question. And this is where he goes in the last two verses of this chapter. Don't ever walk away from prayers like this without claiming the promises that he gives in the word of God. Because that many times I believe the enemy would like us to walk away, throwing up our hands and saying, but that won't work. But I, I ask you, and someone here today, and I don't know here, the Holy Spirit knows, is dealing with something this morning that is so big you do not know what to do with it. You've never been there before. You've come face to face with a wall too high to climb. You can't go through it. It's too thick to go through. It's too high to climb. Now the word of God begins to give. Paul says, now I'm going to give you the solution. This is what is so special about the word of God. And it's so special about being a child of God. Is he gives solutions to problems. He gives answers to questions. He gives strength where there's weakness. He gives joy where there's sorrow. And this is God. And here he goes. Now unto him, notice where Paul goes, as we're looking at the solution, the source, he says, now let's get looking to who this is all about. It's him. It's not about us, folks. It never was about us. It was about him. Sometimes we forget that in the busyness of our lives, and we try to be these little mini gods, but he goes, now unto him that is able. Now Paul embraces the ability of God. He says, he's able. You remember a couple weeks ago, we took Philippians 4 and 13, that I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. Without him, I can't do a thing. But Paul here is saying, now unto him that is able. He is able. This is what Paul is beginning to shout from the pages of prison as he is writing to the Ephesian church. He is able. God wins. 
I like baseball. God hits home runs. There's nothing close to what God does. And here it is. He says, now unto him that is able to do. Now notice how far this stretches. I can't even get it with words. I'll let the Holy Spirit get into your hearts to do far more abundantly beyond all. This is him that we could ever ask or think. Can we get the, the impact? I don't think any of us can, but just one little sliver of that is, okay, I, now I'm praying in faith. I'm believing. I'm praying for the inner man. I, my heart has been cleansed. And God is still going to do up exceeding abundantly above every single thing that we could ever ask or even think. This is the God in which we worship. This is the God of redemption. This is the God of all glory. This is the magnificent that our, 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 our singing group was singing to us about this morning. And here he says, able to do far more abundantly above beyond. Notice how far he's shooting every one of these descriptions. It's like a, it's like a, a ball going out of sight, going over the top of every roof, going over the top of every wall, beyond all that we ask or think. And then we say, how does that happen? And he gives the answer. This is what the word of God does. He presents a problem. He gives a solution. He presents a question. He gives the answer. Notice the answer here. According to the power that works within us. He's saying, you've got it. You've already got the answer. Don't let go of it. It is his spirit within you. His spirit doing things within you, you could never do. When you come back and say, God, but this is your ministry. This is your church. This is your family. This is your calling, whatever that is. And here Paul says, according to all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us. Once again, it's not always seen, but it's there. I believe the apostle wrote in Colossians and he said, it's a little secret you find that was hidden for many ages and generations before. It's a secret that Christ is in you. That's the hope of all glory. Jesus in you, working through you, doing things that are impossible through prayer. Power packed prayers change lives, turn hearts, break down walls. Touch nations, but more than anything else, souls are brought to Christ because someone chose to pray. That's probably why you're here today for many of us. I don't know who all it was for me. I know it was a mother that wouldn't let go. She just wouldn't let go. I knew it. I can tell you the time walking out the door to 17 years old as a young, rebellious teenager going out for the party and all my mother said that night was, don't forget I'm praying for you. Guess how the party went that night? <laughs> Not very well. This is God. And Paul is saying, look at this, because this is who can do it. God breaks down walls that are put up. God builds bridges where there is no bridge. God restores relationships. He repairs breaches. And he says, notice how it comes. It comes according to the power 
that works in us and through us to him. There's one other part of the power pack prayer that's so important in the last verse that I want us to get this morning before we, we, uh, we close today. As Paul wraps this up, I want, let's look at verse 21 because this is so important in light of this. He says, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever, amen. When God works through a power-packed prayer, he receives all the glory, all the glory. Because we know it was not us. Some of you have just experienced that. Some of you are experiencing this. And he says, notice how big this is, though. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations. Let's notice how far it stretches. It doesn't just stop today. When you, God lays it on your hearts to pray prayer, pack prayers and give God your complete heart and your all, your attitude and your actions are focused, that prayer won't stop in your home or in your closet. Notice what he says here. To him be glory in the church in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. That prayer will just keep going and rolling and spreading and touching and changing. It will reach into places that you never, we never imagined. Because somewhere someone was willing to stop and pray. I leave that with this, you this morning because we are at a time in the age of the church that we need prayer warriors like never before. I don't know. I've walked into several churches to teach in my life and one of the things is, is God put me there. You know, one of the first things I'm going to say is, God, I need to see the prayer warriors. I need to see them. God showed me a few here, but maybe today God's showing you that you are the prayer warrior. You're to be there and say yes to God there. You know what a prayer warrior does? They go ahead of the army. They're out there cutting, cutting, cutting ahead of the army. You may see a pastor up here. You may see an elder up here. You may see a deacon. You may see a ministry leader, but the prayer warrior is cutting the path. Rest assured, the prayer warrior is fighting a battle on their knees that needs so greatly to be fought in every church, in every home, really in every heart. And I would invite you there this morning, if God has laid in your heart that God, I'm getting older, there's a lot I can't do. I'm gonna ask you, would you be a prayer warrior? Would you really? You say, God, you can count on me. You can count on me. I will commit I will go let you work in my heart and my life so that I can be that person. There's a lot you can't do, we can't do, but there's one thing we can always do. We can always pray, always. I don't know, someone here probably like me, even in this study, you realize it's amazing how subtly I drift from prayer and don't know it. You could, you could call me out on it, I wouldn't realize it sometimes, just drifting, getting busy processing things. And God, is it like you? He's calling you back today to say, God, I want to come back to you deeper in prayer. I don't know how many more years any of us have here, but we have just enough time 
for today to commit our hearts and lives to the Lord Jesus in prayer. If there's someone else here today that is saying, you know, I've been listening to that message and frankly, I don't get it. It's because you've never really begun. You haven't started yet. But there is a great promise in the Lord that when we as his children call out to him, he hears us. I even take us though to one of the most simple, powerful prayers in the entire Bible when two men went up to pray and to a temple. One was a Pharisee and the other was a publican. And the word of God says the, the Pharisee, he just prayed with himself. That's all he did. He probably had a pretty good prayer. But for those, one of you here today, whoever that person is that's wondering, and this could be for you, the public one just got, came there and the word of God says in chapter 18 of Luke, he couldn't even lift up his eyes to heaven. He was such a broken, messed up, figure of a man, and he prayed, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And the word of God says that man went back to his house justified. There was a power-packed prayer, just a simple utterance to God, and that may be you today. And if that is you and the Holy Spirit is putting that in your heart, don't walk out these doors without praying, God, I need your mercy and grace. We will pray one more time. The worship team will come up. But I want to ask everyone here, let's together meet God in prayer. God is a jealous God. God desires to have our hearts. He loves to hear our prayers. And wherever we are, I pray that today can be a day we can draw a stake in the ground and say, Lord, by your grace today, I want to be a more committed prayer warrior in your army. And then if God moves you to come forward, come forward. There will be prayer team brothers and sisters up here to pray with you. There are, there are saints throughout this church just waiting to pray with you. This is the church. This is one of the reasons that I'm here because I saw this a long time ago in this church. And just let God speak to you as we come and you listen to the last word, the last song, the last message from God as you're praying to him, but then respond. Whatever he's saying, do it. Don't walk out of here without doing what he has told you today because this is your privilege today to call on him. Father God, we thank you for your abundant grace and riches. We thank you, Lord, that you are an amazing God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that we can come to you in faith, believing, and know that you will hear our prayers and supply every need. Lord, I pray for every soul that's here. There's a place, Lord, that my spirit bears witness because it's true with me that you're calling each of us deeper to prayer. Whatever you want of us, Lord, I pray that we'll respond, we'll hear your voice, we won't pardon your heart, our heart, and we'll turn to you this very day. And Lord, that you'll take these vessels, broken vessels, scarred vessels, weakened vessels, and strengthen us through your spirit. May you receive the glory and honor, Lord, in every action and in every attitude of our lives. May you receive all prayer and glory is our prayer in Christ's name. Amen.